Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From this undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. Street is introducing two new black Muppets as part of its initiative to tackle racism. Things on the outside, like our skin color, our hair texture, uh-huh. our noses, oh. <laughs> <laughs> our mouths and eyes, make us who we are. Many people call this race, but even though we look different, we're all part of the human race. <laughs> Five-year-old. Father Elijah sat down with Elmo to talk about race and what it means. The video is part of a digital content series called The ABCs of Racial Literacy. Sesame Street says it wanted to be bold and explicit when confronting racism. The organization says it hopes to open up conversations and teach children about how racism impacts people. And welcome back. It is March 27th, year of our Lord, 2021. And it's a Everything is Racist special woke segment because I was watching TV last night. I saw something got me just as we used to say, and it's not very nice, but I'm going to say it anyway. Hot enough to fuck. It is just wrong on so many levels. So I decided... I was going to do a short podcast today, and then we'll do a whole podcast tomorrow about gun grab, the shooting's border, and Biden's press conference, if that's what we want to call it. I don't really call it that. It's pretty fucking bad. It was a hot fuck, but I figured with a 30-minute soundbite to play uh, at the end of this, I'd whip out the woke stuff and do it right now, so... Let's get our background music playing because it makes it so much better. Here we go. Let's bring it down a little bit. There we go. That just makes it so much better. So we started with Sesame Street because it's never too early to brainwash the kitties. So they're doing it over there with Black Muppets telling Elmo, who's red, about his skin. I, I I just don't understand. It replies to this. Thomas Chatterson Williams. I understand the way in which MLK famous quote about looking to a day when people will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character has been cynically deployed to avoid difficult racial reckoning. But still, this feels like a serious regress. But most of all, it's a target indoctrination of the very young that really doesn't sit well with me. Do they discuss why Elmo is bright red? And it's exactly the first thing my wife said. He's red. 
Why why are they brainwashing Elmo? Elmo's red, dude. He's from Venus or Mars or some shit. You fucking wahoos. But Minnesota Theater, sorry, cancels Cinderella production, citing too many white cast members. And that's the world we live in. That's why the two segments that are serious today that I'll do after all this bullshit just crack you up. Because you understand why they can get away with it in the mainstream media when this is the things we're doing. Uh, Cinderella, too many white people. Let's just cancel it. Fuck it. Fuck it. One of the most evil things I heard was Ben Shapiro, who did a segment on this, and I had not read it. And I'm not going to read the first, but I'm going to read the second that I found. Waiting in the... This is Eli Mistel. He is a nation writer. Waiting in the CVS parking lot, this old white lady drives by, rolls down her window, and shouts at this black girl with a bag, clearly waiting for a ride. Is this where you get vaccines? Black girl couldn't have been more than 16, says nothing. Goes back into phone. White lady, I said, is this where you get the vaccines? Girl does not elaborate. Looks behind to see if there's somebody else the lady's talking to, like an employee. Says nothing. White lady screaming at the top of her lungs, Is there a vaccine? Now people behind her in the lot start hawking at her. She yells the service as she rolls up her window and drives on. To recap, old white lady shouts herself out of a vaccine information after assuming every random black person she sees is put on earth to help her. I would have helped mainly to save the black girl from having a deal with this bullcrap, but I had my kids in the car, and that conversation goes two ways. A, yes, lady drives off. B, yes, lady decides I'm the help and wishes she hadn't, couldn't risk combo B with the kiddos. Anyway, I'm not ready for re-entry. I basically enjoyed a year without the background racism of the society in my day-to-day life, and I'm really not looking forward to dealing with this kind of white person again. So he writes a whole story about how he's enjoying not being around white people. This makes you understand why it's cult. It's just a fucking cult. And indoctrinating little kids with the Muppets makes total sense to these people. Now the cynical people, they're using it as a bargaining chip to get people to vote out of fear and attain power. The very power that black people will never get, Indian people will never get, American Indian people will never get, fucking you name the fucking group that they pander to will never have their power or their riches. But they brainwash so many people, they do believe we must indoctrinate. They believe the systemic bullshit. They they totally believe it 100%. And it's literally cray-cray as they would say. Andrew Sullivan, amazing how magazines are now quite happy to publish baldly racist tracks like this one. Reverse the races, and this could be from a neo-fascist site. Here's just an excerpt. I said here and elsewhere that one of the principal benefits of pandemic is now I have been able to exclude racism and whiteness generally from my daily life. Past year, of course, still had to interact with white people on Zoom, or watch them on television or worry about whether they would succeed in re-electing a white supremacist. But white people aren't in my face all the time. 
I can more or less only deal with whiteness when I want to. The cops are hunting me when I drive through my neighborhood. Their hang-ups aren't bothering me or threatening me when I'm just trying to do some shopping. That's because I've been driving or shopping and I haven't been driving and shopping in person. White people haven't improved. I've just been able to limit my exposure to them. I've turned my house into Wakanda, a technically advanced, globally isolated home base for which I can pick and choose when and how often to interact with white people. To be clear, it's not that most or even many of my interactions with white people are bad. It's that I'm able to choose when to expose myself interaction with potentially bad white people. That choice is a privilege I never really had until this past year. Going out into white society for me is a little bit like a beekeeper going to get honey. I know what I'm doing. If I put on the right protection and blow enough smoke, most of the bees will leave me alone and the ones who don't won't really cause me that much pain. But I've got to put on the suit and the hat and the mesh and carry the smoke machine and be careful every time I want some goddamn honey. This year, it's been like somebody said, you know the honey comes in bottles now, right? You don't have to risk being stung every time you want to get some food. That is racist as fuck. It was published to the nation. They promoted it. And then, over on my favorite racist website, we'll call it African Supremacist Site, The Root, whiteness is a pandemic. A pandemic. Whiteness, this is, of course, I'm sorry, because I forgot Damon Young. Do I need to say that? Anybody follow the show? Every time I go to the the route, there's Damon Young being a fucking racist. But, you know, this this isn't racism. Sorry, my allergies are fucked. I just got back from junking, and my nose is seriously a bucket of snot right now because there's so much pollen out. I'm dying here. Anyway. Whiteness is a public health crisis. It shortens life expectations. It pollutes air. It constricts equilibrium. It devastates forests. It melts eye caps. It sparks and funds wars. It flattens dialects. It infests consciousness and it kills people, white people, and people who are not white. My mom included. There will be people who die in 2050 because of white supremacy induced decisions from 1850. I can't believe that's an Omega. That's NBC owns this. Uh, let me try to get white supremacy virus like other viruses will not die until there are no bodies left for it to infect which means the only way to stop it is to locate it isolate it extract it and kill it I guess a vaccine would work too we've had 400 years to develop one so I want to hold my breath But it's white supremacy is the problem, Tony. Come on, Tony. It's white supremacy. So when Georgia passes a law and people act like this, I just ignore you. Let me ask you about these images um, that have come in showing the Georgia State Representative Park Cannon being arrested as she is knocking on the door there as the governor is announcing the new 
voting bill. When you see this, what goes through your mind? Well, it's a throwback to the past when it's actually almost like a knee on the neck of uh, Georgia voters, just like that officer had his knee on the neck of George Floyd. This is CNN Tonight. I'm Don Lemon. Thank you so much for joining. And I just want you to, whatever you're doing, I know sometimes you sit at home and you watch this and you may be falling half asleep in the bathroom, taking off your makeup with the kids. But I want to make sure that you're in front of the television right now, because what I'm about to show you and tell you is very important. The governor is signing a law that will affect all Georgians, and you are choosing to arrest an elected official. Hmm. How do you feel about that? Are you outraged? I know you have some sort of emotion around it. I know you're feeling something around it. And you should be passionate about it. That's the only way you change things. Are you outraged? But we need a little more outrage, a little more indignation from everyone about this, especially sitting here as a person of color, because without that bill, the assault on your vote will continue. The assault on one of your most sacred rights as American, as an American, an elected official, a black woman in Georgia, remember that, arrested, knocking on the door of the state capitol that her tax dollars helps to pay for, and yours. She doesn't have the right to know what her elected official, her, her state is doing. She doesn't have a right to witness it when you're going to put it on TV, you're going to tweet it out, and you're going to have other people in the room with you while you're signing it. Think about that. It's not that hard to see what's happening here. And as the assault on your vote continues, an angry President Joe Biden says he finds it despicable and said, Now I'm going to pair this like some wine and cheese. This is a tweet capture of Jacob Blake. Now remember, they lied about him and said he wasn't, he wasn't armed, but he was. And I want you just to read them. They're big enough. Who did it better? It's from Tom Elliott. It's really good. Sorry, I went the wrong way. Here's the world news tonight. That's Good Morning America. And that's ABC News. See, when you do things like this, this is why we have violence in our world. The root. A black woman knocked on a door where a southern white man was suppressing the black vote and ended with her arrest. That has nothing to do with anything, but okay. Uh, over here, Stacey Abrams, the person who never accepted her defeat. But Trump's bad, remember that. SB202 suppresses voters, criminalizes compassion, and seizes election authority from local and state officials. In 11 years, I never witnessed a massive bill approved with such speed and signed in such desperation. This wasn't efficiency or principle. This is cowardice. GOP legislators gave themselves the right to take over local election and throw out results. What they tried and failed to do in Michigan. They raised costs for taxpayers and forbid counties from accepting funds to cover the bill. They criminalized freeze water and food for those in line. Now... Tomorrow we're going to cover S1, which is 
HR1, which is the federal government completely taking over. Completely taking over the voting system. So you see how hypocritical these people are. My original intention was to pair them together. Because it just shows how these people can get away with anything in our media. That's exactly what their bill is. She goes on and on and on and she hits the key point. And I'm going to load this image because I forgot to because I came home. And I should have done this already. Because this is just, this is everything about the le- the, the, the left that they can do that lead article. We need to kill all white people. I don't want to be with white people and say voting with an ID in 25 states is white supremacy. So there you go. You can read. And you know this. This whole concept about voter ID is somehow racist is the most insane concept I've ever fucking heard. Everything requires an ID, but somehow making somebody vote with an ID is racism. No, really. Governor Brian Kemp signed the Republican-backed... I'm going to pause the music because we'll get back into it in a second because this is good shit. Republican-backed Election Integrity Act of 2021, or SB 202. With Senate Bill 202, Georgia will take another step towards ensuring our elections are secure. Particularly, Democrats condemn the bill as supposed symptom of continued voter suppression and white supremacy. For example, Elizabeth Warren compared the bill to Jim Crow while promoting the now-debunked conspiracy theory that Stacey Abrams won the Georgia gubernatorial race. They can, as we'll see tomorrow, they can steal elections, Biden's for it, taking away Iowa Senate, or the Iowa uh, House seat, that's okay, but when Trump said, hey, there's some fishy shit, because you changed AD voting laws, and 130,000 votes just for Biden, and stop counting, and all the crazy shit that went on, we're all a bunch of seditionists, un-American, that people don't even talk to me anymore, yeah, but they can just steal a seat that was recounted. Okay. The Republican who's sitting in Stacey Abrams' chair just signed a despicable voter suppression bill. The law takes Georgia back to Jim Crow. Senate must pass, or Jim Eagle. That's the other one. We'll see that tomorrow. For the People Act, did John Lewis' voting right immediately our democracy at stake tonight? Well, much of the criticism focused either on these widely unsubstantiated and hyperbolic comparisons of Jim Crow policies or specific cynical mischaracterizations of the bill, such as Senator Ostoff tweeting, amongst outrageous provisions of criminalized giving water to voters or waiting in line. It remains important to avoid the distinction of partisan politics to understand what the bill actually says. Voter ID requirement for absentee ballots. One of the central components of 202 is an ID requirement for absentee voting. Currently, all that was required was the voter sign an application with signature matching processes used to verify the identity of the potential voter. Now, absentee voters will be required to provide some form of identification, whether it be a driver's license, state ID number, or other form of identification. Any person applying for an absentee by mail ballot shall make applications in writing on the form made available to by the Secretary of State in order to confirm the identity of the voter. Such forms shall require the elector to provide his or her name, date of birth, address, or register address where the elector wishes the ballot to be mailed and the number of the, his or her Georgia driver's license. 35 LC 280323. 
5S, issued pursuant to Article 5, Chapter 5 of Title 40, the bill declared. If such elector does not have a Georgia driver's license or identification or an issue pursuant to Article 5, Chapter 5 of Title 40, the elector shall affirm this fact of the manner prescribed in the application and the elector shall provide a copy of a form of identification listed in the subsection. The form made available by a Secretary of State shall include space affixed a photocopy or electronic image of the identification. The deadline for requesting absentee ballot in this manner will also be set at 11 days before election. Reduction in early voting before runoffs with runoffs held four weeks after general election aims to address and update voter processes and disparities after COVID-19 alterations. The argument throughout the presidential election in favor of mass absentee voting was that it was necessary to change required to deal with the challenges of COVID-19. The stress of the 2020 election with dramatic increase in absentee by mail ballots and pandemic restrictions demonstrated there were opportunities to update existing processes to reduce the burden on election officials and boost voter confidence. In the same section, the bill also noted the broad discretion allowed to local officials when it came to altering voting dates and hours, which led to significant variations across state. In addition to disparities regarding timing, the bill also notes the variation in funding. Some counties in 2020 received significant infusion of grants funding for election operations, while other counties received no funds. It just happens to be that it was all Democrat counties. Hmm. Now ballot drop boxes will only be permitted inside early voting locations and six-day period rather than the current 10. Most notably, election workers must complete the counting of ballots once counting has commenced. That's the bill. All it does is require people to register to vote, and then you can still do absentee. Understand, in Oregon, I had to do that. Before they changed to you just vote anywhere. Now, I understand it's easy for people to get confused on the concept of voting rights. Yes, it's your right to vote. But it's also my right that the votes that go in actually are people voting, not just a bunch of bullshit because you're a Democrat and you need to save democracy from Donald Trump. I mean, people who thought that was going to stop with Trump, you're smoking crack. H.R. 1, now Senate 1. All it is is a way for them to keep power forever. That's all they're doing. It has nothing to do with suppression or anything. It's about we found a way to get 81 million votes. Home realizations by That jump. That made me jump. Let me mute this. What the fucking fuck? Hold on a second. I don't know where the fuck that came from, but you just saw me jump like a biatch. What is that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, is it done? Uncle Closet. Right, Skelly Bob. Okay, I think I got it. That was weird. It's one of these pages. I can't find the fucking thing. But they found a method to get mass voting. They know it's bullshit. They know people double voted. They know people voted with other people's ballots. They're not stupid. The media is not stupid. But since the media is for the Democratic Party, never Trumpers were for Democratic Party. Everybody's down with this shit. Like, oh yeah, it's okay. It's great. We'll never have a Trump again. You'll never have a Republican again, pal. 
I mean, that's their plan. This shit won't stop. If you ballot harvest, you're allowed to dump shit you don't want. So that's the whole thing. So you can see why the beginning. How do you take any of this serious? When the when the Sesame Street gang is pushing everybody's a motherfucking racist, and a simple concept that you need to prove you're you to vote. When I have to prove me for everything on that list, get the fuck out of here. Back to the crazy, because we got plenty, and then we'll do our last segment why we did this show today. I'm turning up just a little bit, because... It's fun having the music in the background. Appalachia State pairs black male housing initiative with Black Panther course. Maybe conservatism is a euphemism for white supremacy. Syracuse professor states during white rage panel. University of Florida suspends multiple conservative groups in one fell swoop. Turning Point USA, Young Americans for Freedom, and the Network for Enlightened Women. Under some clause. But there's no suppression. These people aren't fascists. If you think they're fascist, you're a fucking white supremacist. College hosts, community radical, claim white people must be willing to say, I am racist. We're going to play this one of race and racism uh we we've we've gone through this series in the last five years where instead of saying racism right what do we say we say things like implicit bias right but it's time to stop it's time to stop doing that it's time for people of color uh specifically to be clear about what racism is uh, and what racism isn't uh, to define it um, and I'll give you a quick definition, and you're and you're welcome to challenge me on this. But racism is is has two components: prejudice and power. Without the power, it isn't racism. There is no such thing as reverse racism. Reverse racism does not exist. Um, it it's about the context of power. We all know that race isn't a Race isn't a real thing. It's a political construct. It was created by white people for white people to oppress people of color. That's what it was created. That's what racism is. Um, And when we talk about it in this country, we have to talk about it in those contexts. That it was created by white people for white people specifically to oppress people of color. Um, so here's going to be the most popular, unpopular statement. Um, when we talk about racism, the, the first step of anti-racism, number one is, um, for, to be an anti-racist white ally, the first thing you have to be willing to admit is that you are a racist. You have to be willing to say to yourself, I am a racist. None of the other steps below that matter. And I know that's a difficult thing for people to hear. But let's also define what that means, right? I say racist, you hear Klan. 
burning crosses because that's how we've defined racism for so long in this country, but it's not, it's so much. It's internal racism, it's institutional racism, it's, it's structural racism that has been drilled into us from the moment we were born. I wanna be clear about this, racist and good are not mutually exclusive. We are human beings and there is no way we grow up in this country with everything around us that doesn't allow us to become racist. What the fuck? Once again, can't take you seriously about voter ID when anthropologists say this common practice in their own field is racist. Two professors use critical race theory to determine whether ancestry estimation based on bone structure is inherently racist. Though they refer to the credentials as forensic anthropologists as a source of authority, the professors also believe that forensic anthropologists are cogs in the wheels of the race state. Yeah, but these same schools, uh, the other article was you pick calls women birthing people. Biden cancels $1 billion in student loans. Biden Education Secretary Michael Cardone, Cardona will cancel even refund some students for loans for tens of thousands of student loan bars. According to the Biden Education Department, the move will cancel estimate $1 billion, but yeah, you and I need to pay for that because you're racist. You racist motherfuckers! Catholic high school teacher terminated for debating cause of George Floyd's death. This is like the 10th person who literally said the facts and have been suspended, given re-education camp, something. And then we get Whatever this is. Fail to account for white supremacy and veganism, you get white veganism. We must address the role of white supremacy and the oppression it creates, no matter if we are vegan or not. White veganism focuses solely on animal liberation while ignoring the context of colonization and imperialism and how all of this impacts all living beings and the planet. Not all white people vegans are white vegans. Our veganism must be intersectional, accessible, anti-racist, anti-imperialist, and decolonized. Chrissy Marr, just when you thought vegans couldn't do, get more annoying. Well, that 30 seconds of my life, I'll never get back. Ugh, that's why I don't call myself a vegan anymore. It's so embarrassing. I just say I don't eat animals. This is why these people just literally have no credibility you're you're just fucking hateful people you're all part of a cult and that cult is intersectionality that overlaps everything it doesn't matter what you're talking about you include racism homophobia killing the planet it was a really devious plan and the media helped them roll it out and starting colleges but now we got it on sesame motherfucking street elmo's a racist bitch that red motherfucker! But this, Jesus, was not on your side, Stephen King. That's fine. Nobody has a problem with that. 
ACLU lawyer, Chase Strungio. So much violence against trans people would be eradicated if people could just accept and celebrate their sexual attraction to trans people. Your obsession is so often born of your feared desire. And this is another one of those strains that keep going on that we all need to fuck dudes with dicks. But they have boobs or something. I, I don't even know where this shit comes from. But that's how deep this cult is. You will embrace everything. And if you don't, we have to knock you. So because you're not down with trans, well then you must be a homophobe or you secretly want to fuck them. And there wouldn't be suicides if straight men would just fuck trans women. Which means they have to be gay. Whenever you're not gay, you're fucked up. NARAL! Because a lot of these are just crazy things. This is Bandit. Bandit loves reproductive freedom. Bandit hates anti-choice disinformation. Information. Bandit is perfect. They're using dogs for abortion. Okay. While at UT, Austin, they lay out 1,000 pink flags. Within 12 hours, they were all taken down by the peaceful fucking pro-abortion ghouls. Good shit there. Arkansas, the next state. Bans, transgender athletes, women's sports. It's happening everywhere, folks. It's not going to stop happening because now we're going to do what the left does. You're going to have the sanctuary gun states, sanctuary uh, no abortion. We're going to ignore this. We're going to ignore that. You built it, left. And I said years ago, this is what's going to happen because they're going to be so extreme. Senate one's going to pass. You're not going to overturn the Senate and the House again. Because they have rigged the deal. It doesn't matter what you do with ballot harvesting and all the illegal shit that they're going to do. The left will own every election. It doesn't matter how many people vote. You won't beat them because they're just going to cheat. It's written in the bill. So now we're going to have separate laws. And as I talked to a man today while I was going to junking with the wife. It's going to be confusing for citizens because you're going to go to the wrong state without thinking. And you're going to get in trouble because the laws are going to be different. And we're going to turn it like the Soviet fucking Union up in this bitch. White liberals are a scourge. This is a new twist. New Austin residents apparently turning to police to tackle the toxic display of masculinity that is black and Latino car clubs. Let me kill the music for this, because this is, it's like that vegan racist stuff. I love it. This is like the clash within the woke. In rapidly gentrifying Austin, newly arrived white residents have been calling the cops on black and Latino car clubs that have gathered in local parks for decades, labeling them as toxic displays of masculinity. (laughs) Fucking love it. Some variation of this assembly has taken place nearly every Sunday afternoon since the early 90s, but now many residents of the Weaver, a newly built luxury apartment building across the street, whose website promises re-enters access to a community that is rich in history and tradition, 
have decided it's time for the weekly event to come to an unceremonious end. Some of the building residents defend the car club gathering and note they predate the Weaver residents' arrival in the neighborhood. But many others have grown tired of the loud music, annoyed by the traffic, and turned off by the smell of skidding tires. One particularly vocal tenant, a non-Hispanic white woman with short blonde hair who appeared to be in her 50s, claimed that smoke from the tires was killing nearby trees and that traffic from the gathering would make it impossible for an ambulance to reach her in the event of a medical emergency, though two other roads to the apartment building remain accessible at all times. Another Weaver, Weaver resident voiced more generalized criticism calling the event display of toxic masculinity. We should shut this thing down, a third resident who blamed the lack of police response on the idiotic city council decision to slash the Austin Police Department budget, wrote in March on a building forum. Indeed, a recent gathering of non-Hispanic white tenants had flagged two police vehicles and pleaded with the officers to disband the celebration, calling it scary. The officers eventually drove off without taking any action. Even though the event sometimes violates noise and traffic ordinance, it doesn't pose major threats to anyone in the Weaver, nor does it break any city rules. By the Sunday went to the park, the building had posted a security guard in the driveway in response to growing outrage among its residents and concerns for their safety. Several angry residents gathered near him. A few threatened to call the police. A frustrated woman from Chicago said she winters in Austin winters, and would not be renewing her lease, wondered aloud about the financial toll the gathering would exact upon the Weaver, which is owned by Grayster Real Estate Partners, an international developer based in Charleston, South Carolina. I have said at nauseum, liberals don't give a fuck about black people, gay people, trans people, American Indian, you name the group, it is just a lever of power they use to win elections with the help of our corporate media who's all in and pushing them to kill the filibusters we'll see tomorrow and fucking do S1 so they never lose and all this shit. They really don't give a fuck. And if you look at racial violence, murder rates, gun mass shootings, it's all in liberal areas because they're hateful people. I've also stated at nauseum, these people are fucking fascists. They want to tell everybody how to live, and if it's not something they like, they lose their shit and make it up. So in this case, they couldn't call them white supremacists. Or couldn't say, look at those motherfucking proud boy seditionists. They had to use the old toxic masculinity. But boys and girls, we know, gender is a social construct. So suck a dick! Which brings me to the reason for the show. Tom Cotton introduces Bill to keep critical race theory out of the military. We have been covering a lot of shit on here. About the military, because it's the last vestige of meritocracy. Where you go, you can be from Venus, you can be from Mars, you can be gay. And if you do your fucking job, you get promoted, you move up, 
And they hate that. Plus, because like all stated before in my previous rant, they're all about power. They just want power. And they can't get those motherfuckers to vote for them. Just can't do it. So they've invaded it with this new fucking Department of Defense head and all these fucking moon bats are putting in positions of power. So on Thursday, introduced legislation would keep critical race theory and broad anti-American ideas such as the claim that America is fundamentally a racist country out of the military. Christopher Rufo reported at City Journal that Cotton's bill is based on the premise that military should encourage members to love the United States, defend the founding principles of the United States, and treat everyone as human beings with equal dignity and protection under the law. Critical race theory, Cotton Bill insists, insists rejects these premises with its notion of American is irredeemably racist and stoking racial division. Our military strength and strength depends on the unity of our troops and the knowledge that America is a notable nation worth fighting for. Cotton said of the bill. Critical race theory teaches the race is a person's most important characteristic and America's evil, oppressive place. That idea may be fashionable in left-wing circles and college classrooms or in Sesame Street, but it has no place in our military. Not only will such racist ideas undermine our troops' faith in each other, they'll also erode their trust in the country's guiding principles. The United States military shouldn't be promoting such divisive, un-American ideas. We have covered numerous reading lists and other shit that they're shoving down their necks. We've covered segments about how they're doing these stand-downs and pretty much just saying if you're pro-gun, pro-life, Christian, you're a white supremacist. If you voted for Trump, you're a white supremacist. So here is a very long soundbite from Tucker. But this shit is dangerous. Welcome to Tucker Carlson tonight. Here's an amazing story. Yesterday, the Pentagon Special Operations Command made an announcement from its official Twitter account. Special Operations Command is a very significant thing in the U.S. military and in our country. It oversees Delta Force, the SEAL teams, and the rest of our most celebrated, best-trained, most lethal warfighters. So the tweet announced that a man called Richard Torres Estrada is now the, quote, chief of diversity and inclusion of America's special forces. And they included his picture with the announcement. Then at the very top of its website, the special operations included a link to its extensive, it's quite long, new diversity and inclusion strategic plan. Now, the one thing we know about that plan is that it will result in the dramatic lowering of standards within our elite ranks. It probably already has. So how will that make America safer? Well, the generals never said you couldn't find that on the website. Instead, they told us that, quote, all of us understand that diversity and inclusion are operational imperatives. They didn't say how. They just said they're imperatives. So this is the initiative that Richard Torres Estrada will be running. So the question is, who exactly is Richard Torres Estrada? Well, his Facebook page gives some indication of who he is. On it, you will find an attack on the police as racists. You'll find crude BLM propaganda. You will find a photograph of Donald Trump holding a Bible in front of a church. Next to Trump is a photograph of Adolf Hitler. The point is, they're the same. So this is the guy who now oversees hiring for the Navy SEALs. If you're wondering whether our military leadership has gone woke, you can consider that question settled for good. 
The Pentagon is now the Yale faculty lounge, but with cruise missiles. And that should concern you. Meanwhile, the rest of the world rolls on and gets more menacing by the day. Tonight, for example, the Suez Canal, one of the busiest shipping lanes in the world, is blocked by a stranded container ship. Was it an accident? Maybe, maybe not. We don't know. What we do know is that the Suez Canal is vital to the world's economy. That's not an overstatement. The Suez Canal is one of only about a dozen strategic choke points that control virtually all global trade, and now it's closed. So this is a challenge to America's critical national interests. How is the Pentagon responding to that? Well, they're occupied with other things right now. For the last month, the entire U.S. military has been operating under a so-called stand-down order that was issued by the new Secretary of Defense, Lloyd Austin, the defense contractor now running the military. Lloyd Austin believes the real threat to America is not the Chinese government or paralyzed global trade. The real threat to this country is people who didn't vote for Joe Biden. Watch. And if confirmed, I will fight hard to stamp out sexual assault and to rid our ranks of racists and extremists. The job of the Department of Defense is to keep America safe from our enemies. But we can't do that if some of those enemies lie within our own ranks. So Republicans voted to confirm him. He is himself an extremist. And they have said virtually nothing about Lloyd Austin since because they're paralyzed. They're paralyzed because Lloyd Austin has no problem calling his opponents racist immediately, ridding our ranks of racists and extremists. The key question is, how does Lloyd Austin define a racist or an extremist? The definition matters. Show has been denounced as a dangerous white supremacist organ for the crime of reading Martin Luther King quotes on the air. So it's worth finding out what those words mean. But Lloyd Austin doesn't provide a definition. And that's not accidental because what you're seeing is not an attempt to make the military better. What you're seeing is a political purge of the military. Consider what has been happening during the military's training on, quote, extremism. A lot of enlisted soldiers have asked a pretty basic question. Hey, wait a minute. Weren't the BLM and Antifa rioters this summer extremists? Seems like they were. They murdered people. They murdered a lot more people than died at the Capitol on January 6th. A lot more. They burned businesses. They wrecked cities. In some places, it took the National Guard to stop them. So why aren't these people, quote, extremists? Hmm, good question. Well, a man called Ramon Colon Lopez was called in to explain why, to tell the troops why they were wrong. Colon Lopez is the senior insist, enlisted advisor to the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. These questions, he conceded, are, quote, coming from every echelon that we're talking to. Some people may think, all right, so the events of 6th of January happened. How come you're not looking at the situation that was going on in Seattle prior to that? Well, yeah, exactly. Kind of an obvious question. Well, Ramon Colon Lopez has an answer. Actually, it's more of a threat. Quote, I am concerned about the way that some people are looking at the current environment and what they are thinking they can do and act upon based upon their personal beliefs. Oh, in other words, if you ask questions like these obvious questions, you are by definition dangerous. Clone Lopez said he was working hard to, quote, make sure that military members understand the difference between Seattle and Washington, D.C. All right, what are those differences exactly? Well, here's one. BLM, Clone Lopez explained, is a, quote, social injustice organization, and therefore it's not extreme. Also, quote, when the military called upon us to go ahead and support an effort in Washington, we did. We never got called for the law enforcement issue that was happening in Seattle. 
Oh, so the mayor of Seattle never called the National Guard to put down Antifa. Therefore, Antifa is not an extremist organization. Well, that's ludicrous, obviously. In fact, it's not even true. Actually, the National Guard did deploy to Seattle during the riots last summer, but whatever. Colin Lopez's job isn't to make sense. It's to send a political message from the Joe Biden administration. We're in charge now. This week, we spoke to a DEA agent who was fired for being in Washington on January 6th. He didn't riot. He never even went into the Capitol building. In fact, he defended the cops outside against the rioters. He's on video doing that, but it didn't matter. He didn't vote for Joe Biden, so he's gone. And he's hardly alone. Earlier this month, the FBI arrested a man from Oklahoma called Anthony Alfred Griffith. According to the FBI, here's Anthony Alfred Griffith's crime. He walked into the Capitol building, threw open doors, and took pictures. Then he handed those pictures to federal investigators. Here's the FBI's criminal complaint against Griffith. It accuses him, quote, of witnessing multiple people trying to break down a door. Oh, he saw it happen. So for the crime of witnessing other people of trying to break down a door, Anthony Alfred Griffith now faces seven years in prison. But don't worry, people like Anthony Alfred Griffith, our leaders tell us, are extremists, they're white supremacists, and our military needs to be laser focused on making certain that no one who votes like these people do can ever serve in the armed forces again. We absolutely need to look at uh, uh, any type of white supremacists that are still members of the military and how they're being targeted for recruitment by, by white supremacist groups. And we need to weed this out. This whole idea of um, police officer on police officer violence with those officers who have been turned by white extremists is really scary to me. And I know it's got to be scary for the other police officers. I am considering legislation to create a standalone a punitive article in the Uniform Court of Military Justice to, to address violent extremism in the race and to, to send a message of deterrence that this kind of conduct will not be tolerated in the military. We've seen a lot of reports highlighting how many of the attackers were veterans. Um, and there's been really a growing recognition that the military has to do more to address extremism in its ranks. It's really an amazing clip. The first two people you saw speaking, Hirono and Duckworth, are extremists. They're the most extreme members of the U.S. Senate. They went on television this week to tell us that people with the wrong skin color couldn't be hired for federal jobs. Did anyone at the Capitol on January 6th call for that? Not one person that we're aware of, and we denounced it immediately. So they're extremists by definition, and they're lecturing us about extremism. The military has to do more to address extremism. And in a way, they're doing that by aggressively promoting extremism. Every two months, senior enlisted leaders in the military gather for something called the Commanding General Stewardship of the Army Profession Forum. In January, that forum included a, quote, professional dialogue on the racist hate tract, White Fragility, written by lunatic Robin D'Angelo. No one condemned Robin D'Angelo's obvious extremism. They celebrated it. Just last month, someone called Lieutenant General Brad Webb the commander of the Air Force Education and Training Command, made it very explicit. He acknowledged that the Air Force was recruiting candidates with a private pilot's license. Now, that might seem like a wise course. Flying planes is what the Air Force does. But to Lieutenant General Brad Webb, no, that's systemic racism. One of the other areas uh, in line with that has been uh, aptitude tests. Yes, sir. Uh, and in fact, the chief uh, mentioned that one as well uh, in his talk the other day. 
but we are deep uh, underway in uh, updating uh, pilot tests and also officer qualification tests mm -hmm. that ha that at its root, you know, you, you get uh, you get a weighted score if you have a private pilot's license. Well, that's a socioeconomic uh, yes. influencer. In other words, if you're rich enough to afford to have private pilot uh, time, you can get a license. That ought not be, uh, you know, weighted right. uh, <laughs> in, in such a way that you exclude, uh, you, know, you know, various uh, ethnic groups. So the real question is, how did a doughy moron like that end up with an important job in the military? This isn't the Department of Transportation. It's not the DMV. This is a serious thing. This is the federal agency to which we give the most money that exists to protect the rest of us from foreign threats. And guys like that have power? That guy's the commander of Air Force education. And it's not just him. In October, the head of the Air Force recruiting, Major General Ed Thomas, published a piece on Yahoo called 86% of Air Force pilots are white men. Here's why that needs to change. So you read this and you've got to wonder what the families of the thousands of American white pilots who have died defending this country over the last hundred years thought of that. Ed Thomas wants them to know that their husbands and fathers and sons shouldn't have been flying planes in the first place because they were the wrong color. Pretty remarkable. We actually called Ed Thomas after his piece came out to ask about this. He was kind enough to talk to us. Had a long conversation. He never explained the only thing that matters, how his race mongering makes this country safer. He obviously didn't care. Clearly hadn't even thought about it. How did someone like that get power in the U.S. military? There are a lot of generals like that. Well, Matt Gates represents thousands of military personnel. These are people who join the services because they love the country and they want to protect it. These are the people who are getting crushed by this stuff in the U.S. military, the enlisted people, and no one's speaking up for them right now. So at a hearing in Congress the other day, Matt Gates did. How long? until make America great again hats are considered an extremist symbol? How long until Catholic or pro-life groups or those who believe in two genders are too extreme for the ruling woketopians? Today is about nothing more than cancel culture coming military and it is disgusting. Disgusting, he said. Well, disgusting is usually hyperbole, but in this case, it's understatement. Matt Gates joins us tonight to explain what happened in that hearing. Congressman, thanks so much for coming on. So as far as I know, you were the only Republican in that hearing who seemed upset about what you were hearing. First, tell us, is that why were you the only one who was upset about it? And second, what, what were you hearing? Well, Congressman Austin Scott and Scott Desjardins both also stood up for members of our military. But Good. the problem with Republicans is that we surrender the frame. We allow ourselves to be lulled into this concept that what we really need to be talking about is whether or not there are people who liked the wrong meme or might be members of the wrong listserv or get their news in the wrong places. Look, in China right now, Tucker, they're not doing gender sensitivity training. They're not wondering whether or not their military is woke enough. They're wondering whether or not they're advancing in critical areas like quantum computing and artificial intelligence. Now we see the wokeification of the Department of Defense. And the reason why is because the leftists have long since taken control of the Department of Justice, the FBI, the Department of State, and the Department of Defense was this last bastion where conservatives maintained a substantial amount of influence and to strangle out 
right-leaning folks who are in the military by monitoring their social media. And what troubles me is that this discussion in Congress is gaslighting exactly what the Biden administration is doing. They're worried about wokeness, not winning, and our country deserves better, and our military deserves better. Well, we need better. I mean, flat out. Now we have a guy with Hitler memes on his Facebook page and garbage BLM propaganda overseeing hiring for the Navy SEALs. I mean, why is there not some red, red alert going off among Republicans in Congress? Like, this is very serious. The left is always good at designating the umpire, which is what they're doing at the senior levels of the military right now. But you know who we had testifying before us on this issue in Congress? The Southern Poverty Law Center. We literally had a hate group lecturing us about hate. The Southern Poverty Law Center even designated Ben Carson a person of hate. So it won't just be white members of the military that are hunted. It'll be anyone who might have politics that doesn't align with the ruling class. And that should trouble every American. Well, that's exact and nicely put. That's right. This is political fundamentally. Congressman Matt Gates of Florida represents an awful lot of active duty military. Thank you. We're proud of him. Thanks, Tucker. Aaron Reitz is a major of the Marine Corps Reserve. He sat through the military's training on how to out extremism. He was brave enough to write an op-ed about it for Newsweek. He explained exactly what the military is teaching its soldiers. The training that he went to warns members of the military to be on the lookout for anyone with, quote, anti-government, anti-authority, or abortion-related ideologies. Right. If you're not for abortion, you can't serve in the military. Now, the training doesn't define those terms, but everyone gets the point. Soldiers are told to simply turn in anyone they expected of being a, quote, extremist. It's hard to believe it's real, but it is. Aaron Reitz joins us with more on that training, which is still going on right now. Uh, Aaron Reitz, I appreciate your coming on today. Really brave of you and a service to the country to write this piece. Tell us what you saw. Sure. So let me be clear, Tucker, right off the bat that our military is chock full of real patriots and real heroes. But the military's leadership class and anyone who aspires to be a part of it appears to be given over wholly to this weak, un-American, woke progressivism. Uh, And this extremism training that the military and frankly, all 1.4 million members of the Department of Defense are currently being subjected to is just the latest instance of that agenda. Now, during your opening monologue, you went through the whole litany of how China is expanding military, becoming more belligerent, and in fact, even imposing masculinity training. Get that. Meanwhile, right. the American military's top brass is talking about putting pregnant women into combat, expanding its use of race and gender-based quotas, uh, it, putting a diversity uh, and inclusion officer at the top of our special forces. Uh, and so what you have right now is President Biden, his top generals, looking at an ascendant Russia and China, de- uh, a lack of stability in the Middle East, a crisis on the border, nuclear uh, North Korea. And they're thinking, you know what we need more of? We need extremism training. It's absolutely absurd. What, what I was so struck by in your op-ed is that you spoke up against it as an American, as someone who knows how impressed so many of our military members are. I mean, that's what's so upsetting about this. They're not wrecking MV. Who cares? This is real, and there are great people in it. Why are you almost alone in saying anything about this? Where are all the generals? Where are all the colonels, really? I mean, there's some really smart, good people. Why aren't they saying anything? 
Look, a lot of these guys are looking at a Biden administration, and what do they have their eyes on? They have their eyes on the next star. And so in order to join those upper echelons of a Biden administration or democratically controlled executive branch is falling into lockstep with whatever that ideology is. But I got to tell you, Tucker, after publishing that article, I've received tremendous outpouring of support uh, via email, private messages and so forth among the ranks. So I derive a lot of optimism from those guys, even though when I think about some of the top Biden supporting uh, top echelons of our military, the future is not very bright, but I'm still fairly optimistic. Boy, I, I, and I know that the SEAL teams are just a tiny part of our right. military, but they're symbolically important. They get so much attention more than any other group. Right. I mean, they're going to wreck them, aren't they? I mean, that's clearly the plan. Like, they can't handle how masculine the SEAL teams are. Or am I being paranoid? <laughs> no, the, no you're, you're not being paranoid at all, Tucker. Uh, in fact, with this subject, it's hard to be paranoid enough. Look, the way that the military is treating this extremism training is it gives these sort of HR departments within the military, tremendous leeway to decide what does or does not constitute extremism. Okay, but we don't have to listen to the mealy mouth left about what those things mean. We can look to the government's own documents they're looking to do. So extremism training is literally, and I'm quoting from documents, to eradicate, eliminate, and conquer all forms of racism, sexism, homophobia, and so forth. What does that stuff mean? Who knows? And we saw from Wednesday's House yeah. Armed Services Committee that there's no agreement within the Congress about what those things mean. And the military is eager to offload decisions about what those terms mean to college campus style diversity and inclusion committees. And so this is a deeply unserious undertaking. And it shows you how far off our top Biden allied military leaders are from keeping their eyes off the ball about what really matters and it's fighting and winning wars. Amen. Nicely put. Aaron, I appreciate you coming on tonight. You're brave. Thank you. Thanks, Tucker. Appreciate it. So let's say the police just want to come into your home with no warrant and, I don't know, take your guns away. They can't do that, right? The Constitution prohibits it. Interestingly, the current administration is now arguing before the Supreme Court that they do have a right to do that. No one seems to be noticing this. We'll tell you what happened. Also, our new show, Tucker Carlson Today, begins on Monday. How do you watch it? We'll show you how you watch it. Straight ahead. Welcome to Tucker Carlson Tonight. Here's an amazing Yesterday, the Pentagon Special Operations Command made an announcement from its official Twitter account. Special Operations Command is a very significant thing in the U.S. military and in our country. It oversees Delta Force, the SEAL teams, and the rest of our most celebrated, best-trained, most lethal warfighters. So the tweet announced that a man called Richard Torres Estrada is now the, quote, chief of diversity and inclusion of America's special forces. And they included his picture with the announcement. Then at the very top of its website, the Special Operations Command included a link to its extensive, it's quite long, new diversity and inclusion strategic plan. Now, the one thing we know about that plan is that it will result in the dramatic lowering of standards within our elite ranks. It probably already has. So how will that make America safer? Well, the generals never said you couldn't find that on the website. Instead, they told us that, quote, all of us understand that diversity and inclusion are operational imperatives. They didn't say how. They just said they're imperatives. So this is the initiative that Richard Torres Estrada will be running. So the question is, who exactly is Richard Torres Estrada? Well, his Facebook page gives some indication of who he is. On it, you will find an attack on the police as racists. You'll find crude BLM propaganda. You will find a 
photograph of Donald Trump holding a Bible in front of a church. Next to Trump is a photograph of Adolf Hitler. The point is, they're the same. So this is the guy who now oversees hiring for the Navy SEALs. If you're wondering whether our military leadership has gone woke, you can consider that question settled for good. The Pentagon is now the Yale faculty lounge, but with cruise missiles, and that should concern you. Meanwhile, the rest of the world rolls on and gets more menacing by the day. Tonight, for example, the Suez Canal, one of the busiest shipping lanes in the world, is blocked by a stranded container ship. Was it an accident? Maybe, maybe not. We don't know. What we do know is that the Suez Canal is vital to the world's economy. That's not an overstatement. The Suez Canal is one of only about a dozen strategic choke points that control virtually all global trade, and now it's closed. So this is a challenge to America's critical national interests. How is the Pentagon responding to that? Well, they're occupied with other things right now. For the last month, the entire U.S. military has been operating under a so-called stand-down order that was issued by the new Secretary of Defense, Lloyd Austin, the defense contractor now running the military. Lloyd Austin believes the real threat to America is not the Chinese government or paralyzed global trade. The real threat to this country is people who didn't vote for Joe Biden. Watch. And if confirmed, I will fight hard to stamp out sexual assault and to rid our ranks of racists and extremists. The job of the Department of Defense is to keep America safe from our enemies. But we can't do that if some of those enemies lie within our own ranks. So Republicans voted to confirm him. He is himself an extremist. And they have said virtually nothing about Lloyd Austin since because they're paralyzed. They're paralyzed because Lloyd Austin has no problem calling his opponents racist immediately, ridding our ranks of racists and extremists. The key question is, how does Lloyd Austin define a racist or an extremist? The definition matters. This show has been denounced as a dangerous white supremacist organ for the crime of reading Martin Luther King quotes on the air. So it's worth finding out what those words mean. But Lloyd Austin doesn't provide a definition. And that's not accidental because what you're seeing is not an attempt to make the military better. What you're seeing is a political purge of the military. Consider what has been happening during the military's training on, quote, extremism. A lot of enlisted soldiers have asked a pretty basic question. Hey, wait a minute. Weren't the BLM and Antifa rioters this summer extremists? Seems like they were. They murdered people. They murdered a lot more people than died at the Capitol on January 6th. A lot more. They burned businesses. They wrecked cities. In some places, it took the National Guard to stop them. So why aren't these people, quote, extremists? Hmm, good question. Well, a man called Ramon Colon Lopez was called in to explain why, to tell the troops why they were wrong. Lopez is the senior insist, enlisted advisor to the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. These questions, he conceded, are, quote, coming from every echelon that we're talking to. Some people may think, all right, so the events of 6th of January happened. How come you're not looking at the situation that was going on in Seattle prior to that? Well, yeah, exactly. Kind of an obvious question. Well, Ramon Colon Lopez has an answer. Actually, it's more of a threat. Quote, I am concerned about the way that some people are looking at the current environment and what they are thinking they can do and act upon based upon their personal beliefs. Oh, in other words, if you ask questions like these obvious questions, you are by definition dangerous. 
Clone Lopez said he was working hard to, quote, make sure that military members understand the difference between Seattle and Washington, D.C. All right, what are those differences exactly? Well, here's one. BLM, Clone Lopez explained, is a, quote, social injustice organization, and therefore it's not extreme. Also, quote, when the military called upon us to go ahead and support an effort in Washington, we did. We never got called for the law enforcement issue that was happening in Seattle. Oh, so the mayor of Seattle never called the National Guard to put down Antifa. Therefore, Antifa is not an extremist organization. Well, that's ludicrous, obviously. In fact, it's not even true. Actually, the National Guard did deploy to Seattle during the riots last summer, but whatever. Colon Lopez's job isn't to make sense. It's to send a political message from the Joe Biden administration. We're in charge now. This week, we spoke to a DEA agent who was fired for being in Washington on January 6th. He didn't riot. He never even went into the Capitol building. In fact, he defended the cops outside against the rioters. He's on video doing that, but it didn't matter. He didn't vote for Joe Biden, so he's gone. And he's hardly alone. Earlier this month, the FBI arrested a man from Oklahoma called Anthony Alfred Griffith. According to the FBI, here's Anthony Alfred Griffith's crime. He walked into the Capitol building through open doors and took pictures. Then he handed those pictures to federal investigators. Here's the FBI's criminal complaint against Griffith. It accuses him, quote, of witnessing multiple people trying to break down a door. Oh, he saw it happen. So for the crime of witnessing other people of trying to break down a door, Anthony Alfred Griffith now faces seven years in prison. But don't worry, people like Anthony Alfred Griffith, our leaders tell us, are extremists, they're white supremacists, and our military needs to be laser focused on making certain that no one who votes like these people do can ever serve in the armed forces again. We absolutely need to look at uh, uh, any type of white supremacists that are still members of the military and how they're being targeted for recruitment by, by white supremacist groups. And we need to weed this out. This whole idea of uh, police officer on police officer violence with those officers who have been turned by white extremists is really scary to me. And I know it's got to be scary for the other police officers. I am considering legislation to create a standalone a punitive article in the Uniform Code of Military Justice to, to address violent extremism in the ranks and to, to send a message of deterrence that this kind of conduct will not be tolerated in the military. We've seen a lot of reports highlighting how many of the attackers were veterans. Um, and there's been really a growing recognition that the military has to do more to address extremism in its ranks. It's really an amazing clip. The first two people you saw speaking, Hirono and Duckworth, are extremists. They're the most extreme members of the U.S. Senate. They went on television this week to tell us that people with the wrong skin color couldn't be hired for federal jobs. Did anyone at the Capitol on January 6th call for that? Not one person that we're aware of, and we denounced it immediately. So they're extremists by definition, and they're lecturing us about extremism. The military has to do more to address extremism. And in a way, they're doing that by aggressively promoting extremism. Every two months, senior enlisted leaders in the military gather for something called the Commanding General Stewardship of the Army Profession Forum. In January, that forum included a, quote, professional dialogue on the racist hate tract, White Fragility, written by lunatic Robin DiAngelo. No one condemned Robin DiAngelo's obvious extremism. They celebrated it. Just last month, someone called Lieutenant General Brad Webb, the commander of the Air Force Education and Training Command, made it very explicit. 
He acknowledged that the Air Force was recruiting candidates with a private pilot's license. Now, that might seem like a wise course. Flying planes is what the Air Force does. But to Lieutenant General Brad Webb, no, that's systemic racism. One of the other areas uh, in line with that has been uh, aptitude tests. Yes, sir. Uh, and in fact, the chief uh, mentioned that one as well uh, in his talk the other day. Uh, but we are deep uh, underway in uh, updating uh, pilot tests and also officer qualification tests mm -hmm. that ha that at its root, you know, you, you get uh, you get a weighted score if you have a private pilot's license. Well, that's a socioeconomic uh, yes. influencer. In other words, if you're rich enough to afford to have private pilot uh, time, you can get a license that ought not be, uh, you know, weighted right. <laughs> uh, in, in, in such a way that you exclude, uh, you know, you know, various uh, ethnic groups. So the real question is, how did a doughy moron like end up with an important job in the military? This isn't the Department of Transportation. It's not the DMV. This is a serious thing. This is the federal agency to which we give the most money that exists to protect the rest of us from foreign threats. And guys like that have power? This is just all fucking wrong. It's just wrong. Let me get to the this dude's account. This is what he posted. Right here. Th this is what the guy who's in charge of the DOD program for SOCOM. I mean, do you see a problem with this? Why would he be in the government? I, I found these. Tucker's not making it up. There's Hitler in the Bible. There's the tweet. How is that appropriate? Remember, in the military, there is no politics. Yet, over the last couple of weeks, we've seen National Guard from Guam in a political stunt. Saw our major sending emails to cable show hosts with political implications. It doesn't matter if the fucking president was a Nazi or he's part of Che Guevara. It doesn't matter if he's from Castro. It doesn't matter. Any lefty far left, the weather underground, it doesn't fucking matter. You serve the orders of the President of the United States and the officers appointed above you. That's the oath. Your politics have dick to do with it. And you don't get espouse politics. Until all of a sudden now. You can say, well, mega is racist. Just saying mega. Voting for Trump's racist. On your off time, going to political rallies is racist. Remember, Lieutenant... First Lieutenant Right Check of the National Guard campaigned for John Kerry. There was no First Lieutenant Joe Douche Nozzle campaigning for Bush. If a officer enlisted in uniform campaigned for a Republican, 
we would lose our shit in the media. Oh, that's fucking tyranny. He's a fucking fascist. Could be a military coup. The military is not supposed to be fucking political. Then when you get in the fucking concept that we're all green, you weren't black, you weren't Latin X, you weren't a woman X, you weren't a man X, you were a soldier, everybody's equal, you do your job, you get promoted. It's about defending the United States, the entire United States, regardless of political affiliation, regardless of religion, regardless if you own a gun or you don't have a gun, you want to kill a baby, you don't want to kill a baby. Whether you suck a dick or you don't suck a dick, none of these have anything to do with service in the military. The military is about service to the country and whatever is president, doesn't matter party. Gender, sexual orientation, politics. I mean, there are a fuck ton of soldiers who fought wars for a guy who fucking despised them, voted against them, and the wars they were fighting. His name was Barack Hussein Obama. Plenty. Wasn't an option. But we are so far into the woke we're now taking the woke to our Delta Force and SEAL teams who are all dudes and kill us I said it on previous podcasts I will say it right now woke ain't a metal task it is not a part of the training manuals It has nothing to do with the mission of winning America's wars. Woke is for you libtards. Corporate America, our media, college, and as we started this show, the Sesame Street. You can push the gay tranny Muppet who's black, Chinese, missing a leg. I say it as a joke. I did a fucking elf skit about it. We're... Putting people in office right now based on that joke. The first transsexual, Asian, black, Latinx, handicapped person is going to take charge of the interior. I mean, what the fuck? This stuff will get people in body bags. That's what's going to happen. And then you're going to say the military got their ass kicked. What the fuck? But it'll be under a conservative president if S-1 doesn't get passed. If S-1 gets passed, it'll be Republicans didn't do something. But no, it'll be because Joe Biden is woking the United States Army. And I guarantee if his son was alive, he would say, you probably don't need to woke this, Pops. This is not a woke. Woke has no place. Said the story before, Latina, vocally Latina, Vietnam vet with a chip on his fucking shoulder. He ended the N-I-G-G with an A. 
because there was no place for it. I didn't care if it was rap culture. He didn't give two fucks. When you're in a foxhole, there's no time for woke. None. And as a person who's been shot at, RPG'd at, mortared, a tank shot at my company, friendly fire, green on green, nobody was thinking about 99 pronouns of America's a racist country. Those concepts didn't really fucking matter. What mattered was closing with and destroying the enemy and getting everybody back home. As I said, I drug a ghetto black kid from the ghetto, his words, who eventually did the fake fucking racial attack bullshit because he didn't want to fight anymore. That dude was a hood rat, and he was proud of it, but he was my hood rat. And I didn't see him as a black kid. I saw him as a kid who couldn't get up the fucking mountain. So I drug his fucking ass up the mountain. It wasn't black. It wasn't where he came from. It didn't matter. It was my fucking job. I was a platoon sergeant. Get everybody there. Get everybody alive. Get everybody the fuck home. That was my job. Politics had nothing to do with it. Wasn't even something I thought about. And then lastly, the sheer premise that we want to train the people defending this country, that our country is garbage fire, racist country, founded on racism, 1619 woke. What the fucking fuck is wrong with you? Why would you want your people defending it, thinking it isn't worth defending? And if you listen to the media, and you listen to Don Lemon, and you listen to fucking Nancy Pelosi... Biden himself, you listen to any of these people, why would you raise your hand to defend the Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic? I mean, I know you guys all want the domestic ones because anybody who doesn't agree with you is a domestic enemy and you want to shoot them the fuck up with tanks and put 50 cows on the street corner of D.C. because a bunch of 70-year-old geriatrics stormed the Capitol. Okay. But why would you want that? They're not going to actually want to do it. If I took all your rhetoric and Barack Obama's rhetoric and every liberal that ever has held office in this country's rhetoric, fuck this country. This country sucks. We're garbage. Unless we import 30 million fucking more illegal aliens and give everybody free college, housing, and food. We're garbage. And even then, it won't matter because we'll still all be racist. We're all racist fucking pieces of shit. Always. So that's why I did a short podcast today. Because that's a 30-minute clip. But some of you might not have seen it. And it's disgusting. What he is doing to the military, once again, is going to kill people. They're going to fucking die. Because as we're stand downing, worrying about the woke... We're not training for real enemies in the world. If you think Islamic terrorism is over, boulder, shut your fucking mouth. The guy was down with ISIS. If you think China isn't going to fuck us up in our lifetimes, you're a fucking dumbass. And if we listen to you people in the media, Russia, 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 they are a fucking threat. 
They want to call Mitt Romney's 80 policy, and they're going to fuck us up. The world's full of tigers. We don't need a bunch of paper soldiers that look good and fit all your demos, as I stated, with the fucking tranny chick fitness poster. We want motherfucking cavemen. See, all you motherfuckers in the media and liberals and libtards, you hate the military until there's bad motherfuckers fucking us up. When they knock on the door, you want that redneck from Alabama that looks a little suspect. Because that motherfucker is going to go kill people and keep them off your doorstep. You don't want the chai latte skinny jean wearing Antifa motherfucker who ain't going to do it for anybody. He's not going to defend this country. He's trying to destroy this country. The BLM activist is trying to destroy the country. Not save it. They don't give a fuck. Mark this day on a calendar. We're going to get back in the shit in your lifetime. It's going to be a real shooting war next time. It's not going to be a bunch of dudes in caves. And if we continue on this woke path in the military, you are going to see Vietnam death numbers. Because that's the last time we went to war with motherfuckers who didn't want to be there. Once they remove the college and all this shit, when everything's free, the standing army will be just a bunch of people who couldn't make it in corporate America the last dregs of society, all the fucking bad, all over again. They're going to be there. They're going to all look good on paper. They're all going to check the woke bingo cards. They're going to say woke things. They're going to be woke. But they're not going to be an army. They're not going to put boot to ass because you've told them America's not worth putting boot to ass. And you told them all to be effeminate little fucking libtards. And when those body bags start coming back and we run into a real enemy, you're going to wish you kept all those people from suspect states and zip codes that look they could be extremists, seditionists. You're going to wish you had them toting the rifle, the weapon of war. Just going to wish. And it's going to be too late. So, this wraps up a short episode of Flower Politic Podcast. Go to foppodcast.com. Tomorrow, we will do a full-fledged podcast. Presser, border, guns, shooting. A lot of good shit. And S1. Yeah, media really want this. They want the filibuster ganked. They are all in on this shit. Just all in. Make sure you share this with your family and friends. Leave comments at foppodcast.com and get all soundtracks or audios at SoundCloud and all video at Rumble. Both links are at foppodcast.com. I will see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening and take care.